Welcome to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast, where we aim to give swimming the coverage and publicity it deserves. Every week, we celebrate the sport we love with amazing special guests and topics from around the swimming pool. And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Dan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. Dan, we're back. We're back. We've had a little break because the Olympics were going on. We were live streaming quite a lot during Tokyo, but the podcast is kicking off again. I'm excited to speak to everyone. It's crazy. It's been like two weeks, hasn't it? If not longer. If it feels not like longer. A, it feels like a long time. But yeah, I'm glad we're back. We're, we're back. Yeah. So what an Olympic Games it was. Six world records were hit in the pool. 24 Olympic records broken over 37 events. That's quite a hit rate. And it was the best Olympics ever in the pool for Team GB, who, if you don't know by now, Propulsion Swimming are fully, fully behind they are our team. We support them as much as we can. Over a third of the team came away with medals. We have four golds, three silvers and a bronze. Dan, it was an incredible games for British swimming. Oh, listen, how good were not just the medal winners, but the entire team. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic to see nearly every swimmer performing at their best or close to their best. It was just incredible to watch. It really was. Yeah. I loved it. Now, you might be wondering why we didn't come back straight away with a formal review, kind of reviewing every single race. Well, if you followed us on YouTube, we did do a live stream every single night through the whole of the Olympic Games, nine nights in a row. It did take its toll. We did need a bit of a mental, especially me, I needed a mental health break afterwards. (laughs) We took a week off, just relaxed, basically took our time away from swimming, but we're back invigorated and I'm looking forward to speaking to more members of Team GB. Yeah, we thought we'd skip our own personal review and just get the thoughts of a swimmer who was within camp, basically. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of a good place to introduce today's podcast guest. Now, she was a Tokyo finalist in the 200 meters individual medley, who, by the way, is is not getting anywhere near enough credit for that performance, because to make a final of the Olympics shouldn't go under the radar. Welcome to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast, Alicia Wilson. How are you doing, Alicia? I'm good, thank you. It's great to be on here. Great stuff. Now, Alicia, you hail originally from Guildford, if I'm correct and you're now swimming over in the states for the prestigious cal golden bears university in california and like i said a finalist at tokyo for team gb so today's podcast we're going to basically hear inside tokyo from from your eyes your first olympic games what experiences you had within what was a very successful olympic games for team gb how does that sound that sounds perfect yeah i'm excited Great. So before we actually get into the games, I want to touch upon you've just got back from Greece. You've had a little break, a little bit like us. How important was it for you to basically come back from the swimming and and take a break, get away, get on holiday, get away from the pool for a bit? It was so important for me. I don't think I realized the rigor, even just swimming one event. I didn't realize how intense being in that bubble and just being around all the Olympians was until I really came away. And the reset I needed, especially after a year. I think my whole family did, honestly. Um, so just being able to get away, almost go to another country and just sunbathe for a week made <laughs> all the world of good. Um, just because it's been quite a tough year for everyone. And, you know, mm. even within my family, we've all had our own ups and downs. So to be able to take that week together was amazing. Was the break much more kind of mental than it was physical? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't do anything exercise wise, so it was definitely physical too, but mentally just being able to turn my phone off and mm. be present in the beach and the moment, not so much <laughs> kind of what was going on at home or what was going on in Tokyo and things like that. It was definitely good to take that mental reset. Oh, well, I need that. I haven't been to the beach or on holiday for, <laughs> wow, well over two years now. Definitely. I need that as well. Are you planning on taking a little bit longer of a break before getting back into the pool and heading back to America? Yeah. So my plan actually is to just enjoy being at home until the 17th of August. And then I'm moving into an apartment um, back at Berkeley. So I have three, four days of moving my stuff Um out of storage and then we hit training again around the 26th of August so and it goes into an eight hour week so it doesn't go in high okay. like we kind of okay. go in low um but that's when I'll start so a bit more of a break right now too you're one of the lucky few who isn't jumping straight into ISL because you swim at NCAAs yeah. aren't you mm. so it's, I think that's the healthier way to go I'm kind of <laughs> interested to see how ISL goes for these guys who've now been out of the pool constantly since the olympics but sounds like mentally physically nice break nice and refreshed and then gently get back into the pools definitely sounds like the way i'd like to go <sighs> god definitely <Yeah>. i agree <laughs> so if we if we start looking at tokyo then this is this obviously your first olympic games how were the nerves for the olympics compared to trials because i know a lot of people say trials is the big hurdle making the team is the hurdle and the times for British swimming they're not the FINA A consideration times they are fast so did you feel like once you got onto that team and you got into the village was the pressure valve kind of released? Uh, I'm not sure I'd say my attitude going into trials was definitely different I didn't have the expectations that I had on myself at the Olympics and also with the finals and semi-finals being in the morning I mm. had a lot more pressure on myself just that I was putting on because I don't historically perform well in the morning. So kind of getting on the blocks for the heats, it was like, wow, I have one race. And if I mess that up, then that's game over. You know, at least with Charles, I had a week of kind of getting into it. This was mm. okay, the moment I step on the blocks. This is my one race that I have. And that emotionally was very, very pressurizing. Um, so I was definitely more nervous then. And then for the semifinal, getting up and getting in the morning was hard and I think that was when I was my most nervous I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life honestly <laughs> that was kind of oh my gosh like this is everything I want so mm. I was more nervous there <laughs> yeah we did notice that going from heats to semis it, the, the times were so much slower in the semifinals because the turnaround was so much quicker um, I yeah. don't know how you coped with it because I assume you have to do a swim down after the race of course then you've got to get something to eat then you've got to try and sleep after qualifying for the semifinal based on adrenaline um, how how was it it was definitely a challenge I mean we tried to prepare for it and I think every country had and we did have a good routine but what you found with like the swims in the evening was people didn't care that it was a heat swim. It was like a final swim, especially yeah. watching say the men's 400 free and the men's 400 IM. It was kind of like, you have to be on it from the morning, uh, from the first session. And so you were tired from that and obviously having coffee and things like that late at night. And then trying to get myself to sleep excited, but nervous. And that was very, very hard. Like I don't think I was running off much sleep in the semifinal. So it was a challenge. It was so much harder than it normally would. And I think that kind of explains why it took, you know, a toll on people and people weren't going as quick necessarily in the final. And 
the semi-final. I think if you'd had that luxury to kind of play around a bit with the time, like I think the top end had a bit, um, say with Caleb Dressel and Adam and people, then you saw that drop. But for me personally, I had to go from it from the start. And by the third race, that was hard. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, we on our live stream, we were by the end of it fed up of saying morning finals is the reason it's going slow. Was it kind of, as a swimmer there, was it disappointing that this TV schedule basically has dictated that the swims are going to be slower? Was it frustrating that you couldn't show your best on the biggest stage? It's frustrating, but at the same time, I think it was definitely the games of racing and mm. I love just being able to race. So it was disappointing of like, obviously seeing times that weren't a season best or weren't a personal best because we were training, you know, well, I was training good enough to go a PB, but honestly that experience of just racing people next to you and taking that for what it was, was really fun. And so I wouldn't have traded that, you know, it was a challenge, but mm. I think the times just weren't important at that point. I guess everyone else is in the same boat really as well, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? It's not like some people are not getting to race in the evening and racing in the morning. You're all on the same time scale. You've all got to deal with it the same. It is a level playing field. Yeah, definitely. And I think, just how you can prepare for that. It became a competition of who could kind of prepare and get themselves ready for those mornings more so than the physical ability. You know, I think we stood behind the blocks as ready as we could be. And it was, you know, who did the intervals right? You were happy with your performances overall? Yeah, I mean, I was gutted with my final swim, but to just be in that final and get inspired from the people around me was more than I could have hoped for. And you know, even after qualifying for the Olympics, I think I was still scared to say, oh, I want to make an Olympic final. And then after Europeans, not even making a semi-final there, you know, that was really hard. So that kind of made me nervous for the Olympics and made me feel like, well, if I can't make a semi-final at Europeans, why could I make a final at the Olympics? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a goal that then became a lot quieter in my mind. So to achieve that was a huge kind of, emotional roller coaster and plus I guess um so yeah the time was gutting but I have nothing to complain about you know well let, let's dig into a little bit about Europeans and trials because your your time at trials you say you didn't want to put the kind of Olympic final on your horizon it definitely should have been on your horizon from that point because you you pushed Abbey Wood all the way and caught a fair few people by surprise with it then to go to Europeans and be slower. Now, me and Dan for the whole time at Europeans said it's absolutely nothing to worry about with Team GB. They're, they're not focused on this. They're training through. But it's, it sounds like even if you weren't focused, it still took its toll occasionally knowing that you had gone slower. Is that, is yeah. that the case? It, it, it was harder? Yeah. And I think the hard part was is that obviously trials we'd all rested and the Olympics we'd all rested. But this European meet, I think played into different people's strengths and weaknesses you know where I was at my training was very very different from other people and you know that was shown by my drop at the Olympics but I was not in a place to perform at Europeans I wasn't ready mm. to give another performance you know I'd been flying to and from America I just completed my finals um, academically and all those kind of things were going on and so you know in hindsight I wasn't ready it was a good shock honestly and something to motivate me and kind of scare me. Um, but 
that was hard. And so I know it wasn't a focus meet for all of us, but for me particularly, that hit hard. It's interesting because I was going to ask you whether it maybe would have been better for you to skip Europeans. Maybe that would have done better for your confidence, but you said it scared you kind of not right, but maybe it was a good scare. It's really, it's a difficult kind of psychological balance that you've got to deal with. Yeah, it could have definitely have gone one of two ways. And I think, you know, the moment that I did swim that, did swim that 2am, I was kind of like, wow, I wish I hadn't been there and stuff like that. But reframing that now it is obviously a privilege to be on the team and to get to have that experience even if I'm not rested for it and mm. then reframe it with my coach back in America at Guildford and at Bath you know kind of using all of those resources really helped me to be like no that that was a learning experience and that's probably not going to happen again we're probably not going to go to a meet like that and not be ready again mm. Well, we were talking about on our live streams that your breaststroke looks really strong. Is that an area that you've been working on the most? Yeah, I think it's the area that I've definitely focused on the most. I've focused a lot on my backstroke, actually, kind of controlling that to allow my breaststroke to okay. look as, and feel as good. You're a yeah. natural backstroker, aren't you? Yeah, I definitely, that is definitely my best stroke. And I think, particularly in the heats and semis, I could afford to not use as much energy on that backstroke. And that's something I've been working up towards the Olympics and just concentrating on that backstroke and not expending everything so that I can use my breaststroke because I am a good breaststroker when I can balance my I am but when I try too hard on my strength my go-to you know to get ahead as far as I can on my backstroke the kind of difference on that breaststroke is then not in my favor mm. it's a really tough balance because we, we saw so many I am as not mess it up we can <laughs> Michael Andrew wasn't a great example of going all out and then killing yourself on the breaststroke and hanging on but it it does Still seem fancy doing that tactic then don't fancy <laughs> the Michael Andrew tactic no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say most of the the standout performances in the IM at Tokyo all of them had that breaststroke leg that was yeah. the defining feature of IM so I don't know it is a balancing act to and like you said, your backstroke is the point where you, you could go, you could pull away from the field, but then you'd really struggle on that breaststroke leg. It's, and the breaststroke leg is obviously the defining feature of I am. It's, it's a tough balancing act. I, I, I don't know. What do you do in training to kind of counteract that? Um, I do. Well, a lot of the work I did in the lead up uh, to the Olympics was around my stroke rate on that backstroke and keeping it high, but not too high where it was kind of out of control. But I do have a tendency to have quite a low stroke rate as well. So kind of having it higher to use less energy, if that makes sense. Um, mm. And then doing a lot of back to breast work so that I wasn't as tired when it got to that breaststroke part. Um, and that is a big ethos in California, you know, being versatile over all the strokes and changing them up and doing one length one and then a length another, all that kind of stuff. And that's helped me and my breaststroke kind of become a bit better, I guess. What does a normal training week look like? Because, of course, being an IM, you've got to do all four strokes. So how does it work? Do you do half a week doing flying back and then the next half doing breast and free? How, what do you do? Uh, honestly, the part I love about Cal so much is that every session, I don't really know what we're going to get hit with or what the session is going to be a lot of the time. Um, every week is different and it kind of depends on the session. So it is generally like balanced out pretty well, you know, a bit more freestyle than any other stroke, but a lot of it is like, you know, someday I'll do 
backstroke with the top backstroke group and other days it'll be like a specific IM set or a lot of the time when I'm getting my fitness back I have to do breaststroke with the top breaststroke people so it's kind of throwing me in where I'm not mm. very comfortable and kind of forcing myself to survive and thrive in those kind of situations um and then incorporating just a lot of IM kind of hundreds and stuff like that and that the whole group does there mm. sounds like your body is basically constantly in shock you, you can't get comfortable with anything yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe so the idea. <laughs> yeah. So overall in Tokyo, obviously you didn't win a medal, but to make a major final, it's, it's got to be a massive confidence boost for you heading to the next Olympic cycle, which is now only three years away. Um, yeah. Has it has it kind of sparked inside you, kind of the drive to go further on? I know you're not back in training yet; you've had a break, but is it is it just a taster? Yes, there, it's definitely more to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was left inspired but also like wow I want to I want to do how the team did uh, at team GB and you know you hear about the statistics of the medals and stuff like that and I desperately want to be a part of that statistic um, well I, I I'd argue you are a part of that statistic because <laughs> it was like we spoke to James Wilby beforehand and he actually asked to come on and speak yeah. about it. it it is a team those are team medals yeah. they're not one-off I know they go around Adam Peaty's neck but at the same time those swims out there couldn't have been performed without all 30 swimmers pulling their weight. I don't think, I think that's the best part of team GB. I, I think you need to give yourself more credit, even though you say you're, you want to be part of the statistic. I think you very much are. Yeah, I appreciate that. But, and I agree with that as well. You know, it's definitely was a team effort with the group. And I think my aspirations are to be like them. You know, I've watched mm. them for so long and, we are so lucky to have that team with the likes of Amy Wilmot and they're kind of pioneers of this new kind of British swimming era. Um, And every part of me has left the games wanting to emulate that and carry that on for myself and for them as well. And that legacy that they leave behind and obviously to get an Olympic medal now seems a little more in my reach than it Mm. did before these games. I mean, what the, the team is so young I mean, in theory, all of you could be on the same team again in three years' time. I mean, is that is there pressure on you because there might be some youngsters coming through? Are you expecting to make the team again? Or you're just driving forward to to get onto that team again? Um, I mean, there are a huge group of people coming through, and I think that's part of the reason why I love swimming is that it's always chopping and changing. And mm. you know, my goal is obviously to be in that mix and. I don't just want to qualify for the next games. I want to do something more there. And so I think, you know, whilst it is so tempting to look behind me and the people coming up and stuff like that, I'm also looking ahead of myself and ahead of the people that are faster than me. And I'm wanting to be there. And I guess the people behind me want to be where I am. So it is quite a big chain and definitely exciting for three years time, but hopefully it does go in my favor. (laughs) I was going to say, all you have to do is keep pushing Abby all the way. And the two, the two of you will benefit so greatly from that because competition for pace, places is only a good thing. Yeah. Um, it, like we said, it was the most successful team environment for GB. What do you think was the defining factor for that, that amazing environment that you were all in? I think there's a lot of things that go into it. I think we were so lucky with the resources and facilities that we honestly had. I was 
she's so short you know I've never been on a senior kind of world's team or anything like that so to go to the holding camp so early and have that time away so that was honestly really relaxing and perfect for uh pre-games uh we were really lucky with that but I think the thing that made it was the people there you know the staff that were there the coaches that were there and the swimmers you know I think we'd had that bonding time at Europeans and at Glasgow and I think it was a really close-knit team because of that I don't know any other team uh in the world that got to spend two meets prior to the olympics all together just together you know mm. even at glasgow we were in a separate hotel to everybody and i think having that ability to become so close and will each other on helped us down that line what do you do behind the scenes do you do like group activities or group games to, just to bring the team a little bit closer is there anything that goes on behind the, t- the behind the scenes um well we had one night that was like that <laughs> with just <laughs> okay. a quiz of getting to know each other and things like that um but I think just on a more casual level being able to sit with anyone at the table at lunch and dinner and breakfast and just mixing you know I think the thing I really appreciated was you could approach anyone whether they'd been to two three Olympics or had Olympic medals or anything like that prior to these games you could sit with them and be just the same as them and that I think made it so close-knit yeah I only asked that because um I was watching interviews with Caleb Dressel and he says his highlight of the whole week was actually being behind the scenes in like a hotel room or wherever he is teaching the girls how to play poker (laughs) I thought it was really interesting you've just won five Olympic medals and yet his most the the biggest highlight was playing poker I I was wondering if you did ever that things like that as well yeah, there were definitely things like movie nights and um, games nights. The boys are huge on cards. Um, so... <laughs> they always tend to be for some reason in swimming. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, so that was a big part. And for some of the girls, it was watching Love Island at night and stuff like that. Um, so we were lucky with the apartments and the flats of having seven of us there and a TV and a sofa and whatnot. Um, mm. So, yeah, behind the scenes was pretty cool and definitely nice because you weren't really a swimmer at that point you were just mm. people mixing and getting to know each other just a bit like being at uni again going in halls and having fun <laughs> i can remember yeah. it it's just all the flashbacks coming back to me um now we said we were going to review the games with you as a member inside team gb so i'm going to put this question to both you and dan as a bit of a review of the games so who was your standout gb performance at the games and i'll, I'll give mine as well so uh, apart, from, apart least, from all of them yeah pick a pick a swim that stood out to you um can i say a swimmer instead of a swim or is yes that, yeah that's okay. fine that's fine uh oh. i think my the swimmer unlike the swim as well would probably be james guy i think just seeing his reactions and genuine happiness for tom mm. uh, on that 200 free as someone who came fourth at the olympics on that you know that yeah. event and someone that was a world champion on that event I think just seeing that genuine happiness and then putting it all on the line the next day for that final in the relay and every single heat swim of the relays you know he forewent his go or whatever the word is his uh individuals for all of those relays and swam every single heat and every final of them and I think if there was one person that kind of symbolized team GB and the swim team I think that 
would be the person uh, mm. so I guess that would be my person yeah, I was going to go with Jimmy. I was. I was going to pick Jimmy. I'm uh, just because he was pulled out of his individual hundred fly, which in hindsight he would have won bronze. I mean, uh, for me, that's crushing. The fact that he could have won his relay medals that he has with an additional bronze potentially as well. Um, I was going to say Jimmy. Now I've got to think of someone else. Um, well, I'm going to go with. I know who you're going to say, Scott. So I'm yep. going to actually say. I mean, you've got to talk about Adam, you've got to talk about Duncan, but I'm going to go with Tom Dean because that 203 plus his relay efforts as well, just absolutely outstanding. I mean, mm. I, I've said for the longest time that Duncan was going to win that race and okay, they touched like so close, it's unreal. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Tom. I, I, I think he was fantastic the whole meet. So you, 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 the other names to mention, you mentioned Duncan, most decorated GB athlete at one games. That's a massive yeah. achievement. And I, I only think he's touching the surface of what he's capable of. I think there's so much more to come. He's a lot younger than people realize. You say, Adam, he makes the extraordinary look ordinary. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Um, but for me, standout swimmer was Anna Hopkin. I, I said it on our live stream. I think her swims were phenomenal. Um, to mix it with the best in that 100 meters freestyle final. And that was the fastest 100 free ever ever that final was incredible and she could have come anywhere from second to seventh um and then her relay performances as well her split in that mixed medley relay a 52 flat is just bonkers it's absolutely bonkers so i think she's she was a standout swimmer for me on the women's side i think abby wood as well needs a big shout out for her fourth place but I think there's there's special things to come from Anna. I really think it. It's difficult trying to pick one swimmer out of the thirty. <laughs> really difficult. So you put us on a spot there a little bit. But I did. Uh, no, I did. I, I agree with both your choices. To be honest with you, just all of them, just out, absolutely outstanding. Honestly, mm. who are the the swimmers to keep an eye on in the future? Is there anyone from inside the camp that kind of stood out for you as, or oh, they've got something special inside them? I think it's. That's a hard question. I think, <laughs> obviously, as you said, Anna was just incredible and Abby as well at the rate they're both going there. Mm. I think they're two incredible athletes and especially on the girls' side that can really move the girls forward. Um, and I think also Matt Richards, you know, mm. seeing the boys so young and seeing him, he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And so driven and confident as well and I think that delicate balance will hopefully take him far and so I'd say those are the kind of the three that I would really like to see uh flourish in the yeah we spoke we've spoken a lot to Matt um kind of off camera and we've had him on the podcast his I don't know his mindset for an 18 year old is crazy I just I I wasn't doing that at 18. Jacob at 16 has got the maturity of like same as same as me you know late 20s it's crazy it's ridiculous so yeah we've got massive hopes for all of them to be honest with you alicia what, what's next for you are you you're now back racing over at ncaa's over in america pac 12 for golden yeah. bears how long are you there for well i'm definitely there for the next year um obviously covid granted everyone the next year so that's yeah. still another um thing to decide um but for definite i've got another year and that is obviously consisting of an invite meet in November and then Pat 12s NCAAs and things like that, uh, littered with all the dual meets along the yeah. way. So what's next to me is definitely kind of getting back and getting my bearing straight. We have a huge intake of freshmen uh, coming in. We have 16 new people uh, coming in oh and we're a team of 32. So that's oh, half the squad. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which will be really exciting and hard at the same time. Uh, 
I'm excited because there's a lot more foreign swimmers coming over, uh, European swimmers. So that will be really fun. So I guess it's just kind of getting my bearings straight and integrating the team so that we can all succeed individually and as a team. I'll tell you what, the, the kind of American... I don't know the training program of what you guys do over there at university. We're going to have to get you on in the future again, because we could speak for hours, but actually go into the training cycles, the duel in the pools, the NCAAs, all, all of that. We have to get you back on in the future and kind of talk everyone back through it around here, because I know there will be swimmers who are 16 to 18 getting offers from these American universities. And it, it would be really good to kind of hear inside the camp at a later date. Definitely. I think it is such a huge unknown to so many people and a lot of people go into it blindly in the the UK. They commit to a university and go in blindly. So to just have that inside knowledge, you know, I wish I had that a bit more. And that's something that I managed to give to my sister a little because she ended up going over. So to be able to give that to more people and let them choose if that's something they want would obviously be a great benefit to everyone. And it's something you would recommend training out in America. Is it different to training over here? Yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend it. You know, I even just looking at the 200 IM, I left the UK on a 214 um, mid on my mm-hmm. 200 IM. And that was two and a half years ago, uh, coming up three. So it's a quite a big drop. It's a five second drop since then. And I do less swimming hours, but I enjoy it so much more. And I have so much more versatility and happiness coming from my swimming now. And, you know, I love talking about it now. (laughs) I didn't before, you know, it was something that I enjoyed, but I wasn't sure if I had a future with, or if, you know, I just felt very individual and kind of lonely and just having that revived again. I feel like an age grouper almost again. I feel like, you know, when I first got to Guildford and there were 15 people my age, you know, Mm. it definitely makes it feel so much more teamly and fun i mean you get to train in the sun outside in california as well Uh, who wouldn't enjoy that i'd love to do that (laughs) don't you're making me jealous man don't say (laughs) well alicia it's been wonderful having you on the propulsion swimming podcast learning all about tokyo i think you've done fantastically well to make a final at the olympics is something that you should carry around with you for forever um we do usually finish with some quick fire questions so that people can get to know our guests just that little bit better does that sound good for you yeah that sounds good um so what's your favorite event uh i'd say the 200 i am who is your swimming idol uh honestly now i'd say amy wilmot coming from the olympics i'd say her nice i like that um what's your proudest moment in swimming Making that Olympic team at trials. Uh, what's the hardest set you've ever done in training? Well, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, it was only 15 minutes long. It was, um, we were skipping on the side of the pool and then she'd like, our coach would blow the whistle. You'd dive a 50 best effort and 25 underwater and then run back around, skip and do that six or eight times. Um, Whoa. But it the, was, un- the underwater bit there sounds yeah. <laughs> hor- horrible, <laughs> but really important actually wow yeah so it was 15 minutes of hell but it was horrible do you do a lot of dry lands um what do you want to call it a lot of dry land stuff integrated into your swimming sessions as well yeah it's huge uh with terry in america that's kind Mm. of the key difference that i've had so i would say my hardest sets are the ones where i've had to get in and out of the pool continuously Mm. and then 
do a best effort bit and then get back out, start skipping again or like throw a med ball around. Um, definitely, yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, and fi- <laughs> final question. If you were to go on a road trip, you've got three spaces in the car. Who would you pick to come with you? They can be friends, family or celebrities. Uh, well, I definitely pick one of my parents, firstly, just logistically, I... <laughs> I think I'd needed them to uh, <laughs> organize me and organize everything. Um, and then my two other people, I'd say, would have to probably be celebrities. I'd probably pick um, maybe Michelle Obama. I just think there's something about her that I I just want to know more. And I think she's so cool and endearing. Um, and then... Honestly, don't think any of my road trip people would be swimmers. I think the other person would probably be probably be another female, like Sheryl Sandberg, um, just because she's someone I want to get know get to know more of career-wise as well. I think that's someone that I look up to that I want to be like when I'm out of swimming. Okay. I like it. I like it. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing about the Olympics from inside the camp itself. It's been great. Thank you for having me. Alicia, like I said, we're going to have to get you back on to explain the NCAA program and all training over in America. I'm, I'm really excited to learn about that one. Um, but until then, thank you again for coming on. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple podcasts. We'll be back again next week. We're back into the swing of things. Dan, I will see you on the next one. Yes, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.